You're listening to Podcast Royal, and I'm Jessica. I am Rachel. And I don't know about you, Rachel, but I think I understand Swifties a little more than before (laughs) after seeing the Taylor Swift Eras Tour movie with you this weekend. So I don't know if I'm ready to call myself a full tilt boogie Swiftie, but I'm definitely not not a Swiftie like that. She is an incredible woman like that is a tour de force of a woman right there. It was it was really fun. You know, I have never really thought the idea of watching a recorded concert on a screen would be all that much fun, but it was I, I, I knew way more songs than I expected and I more songs really than I did. Yeah, it, it was actually, a, it was a fun time. So if listeners haven't haven't done that yet, I'm sure so many people have. Um, it's a fun night out. I was shocked at how few people were in our theater because we saw, I guess, a week after the movie came out and there were like, what, five to 10 people in the theater? Not me. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not that. But anyway, it was a fun night out. We went to a wine bar and then we went to see the movie and I don't think it felt overly long. It was, it was a good time. For sure. Well, I do want to mention, so last week we asked listeners on Instagram what they wanted to see more of on Podcast Royal. And I was actually pleasantly surprised by the positive reaction to Bit of British. So thank you to everyone who let us know that you like it and you want some more of it because I was really hesitant at first. I wasn't sure if that would be something listeners were interested in. Hold on a second. The way you said that was very much that old country song. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it, which couldn't be like further from Bit of British. Why are you surprised by that? Bit of British is awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear, you know, it's a little bit different from our normal kind of royal content, but I'm also especially uh, thankful for those of you who want to learn more about the British food, because we definitely have that in common. Um, So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to do that segment and I'll do some more food content in the coming episodes. I do have um, something to follow up on this week though. Hmm. Um, So stay tuned for that. But before we hop in, I do also want to take a quick second and ask you to please go out and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm also happy to announce that you can now listen to our episodes on YouTube. We are just audio over there at this point, but it's another channel where you can catch us. So we're working on, you know, some other platforms as well. Uh, So we'll continue to keep you posted on that. Good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and jump into a bit of British. So for this week, like I said, I wanted to follow up on last week's segment about the flags of Britain and just share a little bit more about the patron saints that we mentioned for each nation. So quick heads up, I found this information on the Sky History website when I was looking online, if you're curious where I got this from. But so first we have St. George, the patron saint of England. Remember their flag, St. George's Cross. So Mm -hmm. St. George was born in Turkey during the third century, and he was a Christian soldier for the Roman army. He was actually killed for his faith when he refused to denounce Christianity Christianity and, and persecute Christians. So about a thousand years after his death, King Edward III of England chose him as a patron saint of England, and that's when he formed the Order of the Garter. It was in the 1300s, and St. George is admired for his values of bravery and defense of the innocent. So there you go. There you go. Cool. And, you know, George is Prince George and King George and all the Georges and St. George, and so George is the name. Definitely. Definitely. 
Okay, so next we have St. Patrick, who is the patron saint of Northern Ireland. St. Patrick was Ireland's first bishop and was chosen as the nation's patron saint because he is credited for bringing Christianity to the country during the 5th century. So prior to him introducing Christianity to Ireland, many of the people there followed ancient Celtic polytheistic practices. But his missionary efforts helped people gain access to Christianity, and so he was chosen for Northern Ireland. Okay, so next we've got St. Andrew, who is the patron saint of Scotland. This is really interesting. St. Andrew was widely known for his kindness, his responsible behavior, and for being trustworthy. He has been the patron saint of Scotland since the 1300s, and he is actually remembered for standing strong in his faith and refusing to denounce Christianity. Um, he was actually killed by crucifixion on an X-shaped cross for preaching about Christ after the Roman governor ordered him to stop. And I think this is interesting because if you remember the flag we talked about last week, they actually are the one with the X-shaped cross on their flag. So I, I have to believe that that is um, a tie back to that X-shaped cross. Yeah, for sure. And then lastly, we have St. David, the patron saint of Wales. So like I mentioned last week, he's the only one of the four saints to be born in his patron country. He was known for traveling extensively around the UK, sharing Christianity, and some records suggest he lived to be more than 100 years old, but it was actually several hundred years following his death before he became the patron saint of Wales. So... I thought, you know, I would follow up with the flag since we talked about that last week and just kind of share a little bit of meaning behind the names of the flags. So hopefully that was informative to people. No, that's so good. I love the history. I mean, history has always been my favorite subject and I just love learning something new all the time. Definitely. Well, let's jump into the Royal Rundown. As predicted, it has been a bit of a slow week in the Royal Stratosphere. William and Kate are off work this week because George, Charlotte, and Louis are on half-term break. I didn't realize that the half-term break extends until October 30th. So next week is probably also going to be a slow week, or rather when I say that this week is a slow week. So that means that next week's episode recapping this week will be slow. I'm actually okay with a lighter Royal rundown this week. It has, as we've said, been so wildly busy pretty much since the coronation. And honestly, since her late majesty's death, and we have some big ticket items to look forward to by the end of 23. So it's going to get busy again. The king and queen head to Kenya for a visit from October 31st to November 3rd. So they will depart a week from today as we record on the 24th. William, of course, will be in Singapore for the Earthshot Prize Awards ceremony on November 7th. And of course, The Crown will debut its final season in two installments, the first being November 16th. So we're going to take the light weeks where we can. Well, and during the lighter weeks, it's so much fun to get royal content kind of outside of their standard working schedules, especially when we get to hear them speak candidly in a more personal capacity. And so I have to mention, Rachel, last week, you sent me a link to a podcast with one of our British royals, and it was such a great listen. Yeah, it was a really good episode. We both listened to a podcast episode featuring an interview with Princess Eugenie. The podcast she appeared on is called White Wine Question Time. It is hosted by Kate Thornton. 
And for listeners who are interested, so Princess Eugenie was sharing information first about her own podcast, Floodlight, which we've talked about before here, but she also did a separate Q&A with the host where she answered questions about her life, her family, her relationship with the late Queen Elizabeth, as well as um, her sister, Princess Beatrice. And they had a lot of funny, you know, she had some funny things to say about her and her sister. (laughs) Yeah, she, Eugenie is a great interview. Like she shared a lot of really good anecdotes. I've seen some of those headlines circulating. I also this week read an article in the independent with the headline, the reimagining of Eugenie, a new princess power player in the making question mark. I don't even think that's a question at this point. I think that that's a declarative statement at this point. Um, I enjoyed reading that article. I enjoyed this episode with Eugenie. I really like seeing Eugenie and Beatrice to get their flowers because I find both of them very deserving. Well, both of them stay really busy and they do a great job in their roles. You know, she mentioned not really knowing how she does it all between working full time, her podcast, her philanthropic work. You know, she's a mom of two young children, a wife, and then their family is splitting their time between the UK and Portugal because of her husband Jack's um, work requiring him to be in Portugal. So, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to see what sort of role within the atmosphere or the royal atmosphere that we see her and Beatrice play in the coming years. And we've kind of talked about that before here and, and speculated what we think might what happen or what we would like to see. But definitely check out White Wine Question Time if you haven't already. That's a little bit of a tongue twister if you say that. A little bit. A little bit. It was a really good interview. And so on Wednesday, flashing back to a week ago, the King and Queen attended a dinner to recognize the work of the City of London's civic institutions and livery companies. The King upheld another tradition dating back to 1689 surrounding a new monarch's first visit to the City of London. It's hard to believe that we're still having first, but I guess it, you know, it still has been less than a year and a half. So mm-hmm. uh, the King took part in the pearl sword, sword ceremony. I can't speak sword, sword ceremony <laughs> where he was given a pearl sword and then he returned it, which that tradition confirms the Lord mayor's authority when the King is not present. Queen Elizabeth took part in the ceremony in 1953, following her own coronation. Then again, in 1977 and 2022, both of which were Jubilee years for her. And, you know, reading that got me thinking, I don't know if Charles is going to have a Jubilee. I don't think it's going to happen because his silver Jubilee, which is the first Jubilee that he can have that marks 25 years on the throne will be in 2047. And he will be 99 years old if he makes it that far. I mean, I certainly hope he does, but I mean, her late majesty made it to 96. His father, I guess, made it to 99, but I don't know. I, I, again, hope we never take for granted how special it was to see Queen Elizabeth mark not just a silver jubilee, but a golden jubilee, a diamond jubilee, and then a platinum jubilee as well. I mean, I will never see that again, barring calamity. Well, that's a really interesting thought, and you are correct. I don't know that we really appreciated it as much as we maybe should have at the time, because if you think about it, it was all we really knew to have Queen Elizabeth as such a long-reigning monarch. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about this, Rachel. I actually have a commemorative tea towel from the late Queen's Silver Jubilee. I thought about that when you mentioned her Silver Jubilee. Um, My grandmother gave it to me. And I think she also gave me a book that was made in honor of that same Jubilee. So as a reminder for listeners, the Silver Jubilee was in 1977. 
And Rachel, I would invite you over for tea and bring out the tea towel, but I'm not using it. I am actually considering framing it because I thought it might make some really cool art. Yeah. Don't use that. That is a collector's item for sure. Cause we, I mean, obviously we weren't even around in 1977 and that, yeah, that's a keeper. Do not use that tea towel. I, I would not, <laughs> I would not accept it if you gave it to me to use with tea. Um, <laughs> by the way, for the occasion, um, the occasion that we were just speaking about, Camilla wore the girls of Great Britain an Ireland tiara, which was a wedding present to Queen Mary back in 1893. It was later given to Queen Elizabeth from Queen Mary for Elizabeth's own wedding in 1947. And her late majesty wore the tiara throughout her years on the throne. This is the first time that Camilla has worn this particular tiara, but not the first time she has worn this Bruce Oldfield gown, which she recycled for this event. I'm still not a fan <laughs> of this dress. I wasn't a fan the first time and I'm quite honestly not a fan still. So what do you think? Okay. Well, first I have to say of all the Royal tiaras I have ever seen, this one has always been my absolute favorite. And I don't know if I've ever actually said that on the podcast. And we've talked mm. a lot about really pretty tiaras, but this one to me is stunningly gorgeous. Mm -hmm. You know, it's substantial while also being incredibly dainty and, and feminine. Um, but it's just exactly what I think of when I imagine a royal tiara or when I think about what a fairy tale queen or princess would wear. And I just love this tiara more than any other that I've ever seen. I've never heard you gush about one so much. I mean, it is beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite. So as far as the gown goes, I know I think I mentioned last time that she wore it. I I said I didn't hate it. And I, you know, I'll say it's not my favorite look. Um, I think the feature about this one that I really don't care for is the waist area. Mm -hmm. um, so it's got a little bit of a dropped waist and then it looks like it's sort of tucked under, which I don't think is particularly flattering. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, I think I was, I liked it a little bit more the first time I saw the gown. Um, maybe it was too soon for a rewear at this time. That might be because mm -hmm. the pattern is so, um, I mean, it's memorable, right? Like we can recall. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's a statement dress. Um, and so I'm wondering if maybe she should have reworn something a little bit older. It, yeah. It has not been that long. I feel like she wore it at the end of last year and you don't forget this dress. And for me, it's not a positive, but I mean, <laughs> the tiara is beautiful and she is beautiful. Like Camilla looks fantastic, but this, this dress does, it just doesn't flatter her. It's just, I just don't like it. So yeah. there you have it. Well, I have been hearing, this is a quick ad in here. I've been hearing that Kate recently visited Marlboro. I can never say that word. <laughs> Me Mar neither. Mar <laughs> it's not like I talk about the Mar Marlboro cigarettes very often, but Mar okay, Marlboro College. There you go which is her alma mater. No reason was given for the visit. Um, kind of wondering if they might be considering that for George instead of Eaton. So um, Mar Marlboro, I will never be able to say that word. Marlboro <laughs> was, it, not was, is co-ed. So as we know, I think that William and Kate are keen, or at least they have been here to four to keep the three kids together. So of course it would need to be co-ed for that to be the case. Eaton is all boys. Um, Marlboro is co-ed Pippa and James Middleton also went there as did Princess Eugenie. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but, and I don't huh. know what she was there for. I don't know if it was for a visit for George or what. Well, first I have to say, I've been trying practicing saying this college name because I have struggled with this my whole life too. <laughs> yeah. I cannot so say that word. Do. You know what other <laughs> word I can't say? This is neither here nor there. Okay. 
the soup company that starts with a C. Campbell's? I can't say that word. I cannot. Really? I don't know what is wrong with that. I have to hear your try. I can't. I want to say Camp Bell. And I know that it's not. I know it's more seamless than that. (laughs) I just have never been able to say that word. And Marlboro, like it is not. Okay. So I think the trick on this one, Rachel, is Uh don't think about the R. So say Marlboro or Marlboro. Marlboro. But that Mal- sounds like I'm trying to be really fake British, Marlboro. Like the like, uh, I just well, don't want it's to say like, this word anymore. So he has to go to Eaton, obviously, because I cannot say this word. I'm just kidding. Is it, do you struggle that. with um, Worcestershire sauce? <laughs> I never really say that word, but you know what I think it is. So this is this is a really unfortunate fact for someone whose name is Rachel Birchfield, but I actually had to go to speech therapy when I was like three or four years old. Cause I said my R's like W's. I don't do, obviously that's changed, but sometimes if I'm speaking really quickly, that will speak out or sneak out. So my, I used to pronounce my <laughs> name, Rachel Birchfield. <laughs> I cannot believe I just submitted that on the show, but so maybe that's why I can't do this word is because the R does. No, but look, this is like a mouthful of marbles trying to say yeah and I'm gonna I'm gonna just be posh here and say Marlboro because there you go obviously again George you can't go to this school because I can't pronounce it and you know the world is all about (laughs) us so anyway so she went there I don't know why who knows it could just be an alum well okay I know we are still a ways off from Princess Charlotte attending but I was wondering if that might be why she was visiting and she was maybe perhaps thinking that they might want all three children to attend the same school and right. isn't Eaton a boys only school. So, yes. Um, yes. so Marlboro college <laughs> might be a place that they're considering for him, Charlotte and Louie. Uh, obviously this is all speculation. I have no idea, but it is, I did check on online. So it's an hour's drive from Windsor and a 19 hour walk, according to Google maps, a 19 so, hour yeah. walk. <laughs> Or a one hour Kate, Kate would do some stuff like that. Take a 19 hour walk to that school that I can't say. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, I thought, you know, up until this, I thought it was all eaten, but we'll see what happens. Okay. So you mentioned that was going on. I have to ask you, did you see Queen Camilla at Ascot this weekend? I did not actually. Um, yeah, I saw some great photos online. So she was actually there for British Champions Day. I really liked the outfit she was wearing. It was this long, dark green coat dress. And you know, I love my coat dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had a matching hat. And she was also wearing the jockey brooch, which I wanted to talk about. So this was originally a 90th birthday gift to the late Queen Elizabeth. Um, It looks like a small horse being being ridden by a a jockey. And if you haven't seen it in in one of the photos online, um, I'll kind of, you know, explain a little bit about it here. So according to an article that I saw, I think it was on the Daily Mail, the brooch actually has three different shades of gold. So the horse is white gold. The jockey is yellow gold, and then the reins and the bridle on the horse are red gold. And so when I read that, I thought, I don't know about you, but I've never heard of red gold. And I was thinking maybe that's the same thing as rose gold. So as I do, I had to Google this and figure it out. Um, Okay, so there are actually three different types of gold. So you've got your your white, your yellow, and then your red, rose, pink Mm -hmm. shades here. So the way it works is whether gold is considered 
rose or red. It depends on the amount of copper that's in the metal, which I, I didn't realize that either. So higher levels of copper are considered red gold because there's a deeper red tone. Less copper is considered rose gold. And then you can actually go lower than that um, with the least amount of copper, which is considered pink gold. Hmm. So fun fact there. But I had to throw that in there because we saw the tiara earlier in the week and then we saw the brooch. So we've had a lot of Queen Camilla wearing her late majesty's jewels lately. It's a pretty cool brooch right there. We have a picture of it in our notes. That's pretty neat. Yeah. So while she was at Ascot, she presented the winning trophy and she unveiled a statue of Frankie DeTori, who he's a seasoned jockey and he actually rode his last race in the UK at Ascot this last weekend ahead of his move to the US. He is 52 and he's been racing at Ascot for 35 years. He's won nine gold cups and has had several other victories. So congratulations on quite the racing career. Oh, no kidding. My gosh. Um, I, I don't know how I missed that. I didn't know a thing about it. So yeah. that's cool. well, that's, this is, we're ending the Royal rundown. That's like the fastest Royal rundown we've had in well over a year, I feel like. But as we close, I know that we are all looking forward to the crown on Netflix, but as a voracious reader, I also want to mention three Royal books coming out soon that I think that all of you listeners will want to add to cart. So on November 22nd, Omid Scobie's latest in game inside the Royal family and the monarchy's fight for survival will be released. The description of the book reads that the book pulls back the curtain on the palace, exposing the chaos, dysfunction, and distrust among the British Royal family and what needs to happen to preserve a monarchy in crisis. This is the monarchy's in game do they have what it takes to save it that's a little dramatic I didn't realize we were in such a dire situation here well it's quite the question to ask of a monarchy that's been around for 1200 years are we in (laughs) crisis like I mean I know that the queen died but like I feel like we're doing just fine I don't know maybe am I missing something anyway so on December 5th Tom Quinn's Gilded Youth an intimate history of growing up in the royal family comes out we have had Mr. Quinn on the show before he was a delight this book is a fascinating look at what it's like to be a royal kid so for and I've read this book actually that's that I have not read the others but I have read that one and it's very very good and the final book the third and final book for now anyway I'm sure hopefully there will be more royal books actually this we haven't really had a lot of royal books coming out lately which is you know normally we ask those people on the show although I will say this is a massive tease we have such a great guest coming up in 2024 like I'm actually (laughs) like dying over this I I can't say who it is but Jessica knows like would you agree that this is like epic level yeah this will be really cool yeah like (laughs) this is like this is like probably the best guest we've ever had not no disrespect to all of our other guests who have been fantastic but nobody compares to this person anyway um but this third book is from is written by another former podcast royal guest robert hardman he has a new book coming out on january 18th called the making of a king king charles the third and the modern monarchy this book chronicles charles as he transitioned from prince of wales to king and actually this is interesting that obviously not planned um how could we have known but we had mr hardman on the show in episode 58 of podcast royal and mr quinn on the show in episode 59 back to back so that's very Mm. random and and weird but we do not have a listener Q&A this week. So how about we hop into Royals Around the World? Well, jumping in to Royals Around the World, I do want to give a quick congrats to our South African listeners. I saw South Africa beat England by one point in the Rugby World Cup semifinal. Um, I'm not a big sports fan, as I've mentioned. I'm also not a big rugby watcher. As the Royal Watcher, though, I 
will admit I was cheering for England to win this. Um, but but again, congrats to South Africa. Did you watch Rachel? I did not. I but I did see that Charlene and Albert were there. Yeah, so Princess Charlene of Monaco was at the game. She was cheering on her home country of South Africa, and she looked like she was having a blast. I don't yeah, know she if looked you saw photos of her. Um, right. And I will mention the Prince and Princess of Wales were not in attendance. Uh, we we all know their kids are on school break right now, so they're on a much-deserved holiday before William heads off to Singapore next month. Um, but yeah, it was great to see Princess Charlene there, and um, we got some we got some good photos from that event. We actually have um, a lot of Monaco news, but we'll get in more into that later. Before we do that, I want to follow up on one thing. Last week, we we did share the news of a terrorist attack in Brussels, Belgium. So this week, there was actually a state banquet held in honor of Portugal's president, um, Marcelo Rebelo de Sousa at Lake and Castle on Tuesday night. So normally at these types of events, we would see Queen Matilde in a tiara, but she actually chose to break tradition and forego wearing her tiara in light of the terrorist attack tragedy. Um, so two victims of the attack were Swedish nationals, as we mentioned, King Philippe of Belgium actually telephoned King Carl Gustav of Sweden to send his condolences and express, you know, the Belgians were um, sharing in their grief of the Swedish people, um, given the the tragic situation. And, and so we saw King Carl Gustav, actually, he released a statement as well. And he expressed feeling devastated to learn about the two Swedes being killed. And he said that he and his family's thoughts were with those killed in their family. So just wanted to circle back on that because we did mention it last week. Yeah, I just I do like it when royal families work together like this. I'm just so sorry that this had to happen at all. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And while we're talking about Sweden, I have some happier news. So we have another royal birthday upon us. Um, Queen Sylvia turns 80 years old on December 23rd. And I know I'm saying this really early because we're still like two months out from that. But because her birthday does fall the week of Christmas, the Swedish royal family is actually planning to celebrate beginning November 5th. So that's why I'm giving the heads up now. Nice. Um, there, All we know currently is that there will be a concert at Drottingham Palace. So stay tuned for more news about the birthday party. Lots of milestone birthdays happening in our yeah. world, around the world, including, of course, Charles, who, as we've mentioned before, turns um, 75 on the 14th of November, which is the day that we turn three. So that's exciting. Lots of good things happening. So. <laughs> I told you we would circle back to Monaco. So last Friday, Prince Albert and Princess Stephanie of Monaco, who are two of Prince Rainier and Princess Grace's three children, paid tribute to their parents in a quote unquote secret black tie ball held as part of this year's centennial celebration of Rainier's birth. The ball was in an undisclosed location and brought out one of Monaco's most glamorous traditions, that of the midnight ball. This looked really fun. Like one of those things where I would have done anything to get the invite to. Mm -hmm. so, following cocktails, the guests dined beneath gallery frescoes in the casino atrium. The night ended at Monaco's opera house where guests enjoyed the rare privilege of dancing on the stage. I got this information from People Magazine, by the way. Also, I read that Albert will be in Philadelphia this week, which I wish I would have had. I mean, not that I live anywhere near Philadelphia, but if I could have, I would have tried to see him. That is actually his mother, Princess Grace's hometown and he will be there honoring three olympic heroes who also happen to be his family members by the way um, albert himself is an olympian as is of course his wife princess charlene and albert 
goes to Philadelphia, I guess, so much that he even owns a home in the East Falls part of town. So I don't know if any of our listeners are from Philadelphia. I don't really know anything about Philadelphia, but if you know where the East Falls part of town is, that is where he owns property. So fun fact. Well, speaking of fun fact, our second week of Royals Around the World Factoid is about Sweden. So we're going to head to Sweden, which is, of course, as we've said many times, one of our favorite royal families around here. It's home to Prince Carl Philip. Google him. You can thank me later if we (laughs) haven't talked enough about him on this show in 111 episodes. But currently, King Carl Gustav, who Jessica was just talking about, and Queen Sylvia, who Jessica was also just talking about, are on the throne. They have been on the throne for 50 years King Carl Gustav ascended to the throne on September 15th, 1973. He took the throne from his grandfather as his father actually tragically died in a plane crash when Carl Gustav was only nine months old. Why are there so many plane crashes connected with royal families? Like it freaks me out. Um, We talked about plane crashes with Wallace Simpson a couple weeks ago. Anyway, um, so King Carl Gustav did not find out about his father and his death until he was seven years old. Like, I, I mean, like I'm getting ready later tonight to see my niece. I'm an only child, but this is my best friend's child. She's seven. I can't imagine waiting until her age to tell her that her father had died. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, so Carl Gustav is actually the longest reigning monarch in Swedish history. And in 1972, he met Sylvia at the Summer Olympics in Munich. Now, if you'll remember, we were talking about Mary and Frederick last week. They met at the Olympics as well. So many couple, and they're not going to be the last couple that meet at the Olympics, by the way. So that just seems to be, I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? Because when you're in royal circles, you're probably all attending. And so a lot of royal couples meet at the Olympics. Who knew? Well, so, I guess that's the royals version of a dating app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you only get to do it every, well, I guess every two years because there's the winter games as well. But still, that's, anyway, how, you know what, you meet your people, how you meet your people. But Sylvia is of German and Brazilian origin, and they married on June 19th, 1976. So here's the factoid or a factoid, since the Swedish royal family is actually pretty interesting. And that's probably why we cover them so much. So at their wedding, I find this so interesting. At their wedding reception, this is King Carl. Carl Gustav and Queen Sylvia, a song written for and dedicated to Queen Sylvia, Dancing Queen by ABBA was first performed. <laughs> That's for her. Isn't that wow. crazy? I had no idea. Isn't that crazy? So now you're never going to be able to listen to Dancing Queen the same again, because it's literally about Queen Sylvia. I'm, I hope and it's, it's about a literal queen. <laughs> right, right, right. And so I, I hope that they, I'm sure they will somehow incorporate that into her birthday concert. But anyway, At their wedding, they served hummus with pita bread made according to the Ikea recipe. They Mm -hmm. served 20, this is crazy to think about this much hummus, 27 kilograms of hummus dip on 303 pitas. Carl, Gustav, and Sylvia have three children. We talk about these three a lot, Victoria, Carl, Philip, and Madeline. And a second factoid for you about the Swedish royal family, when he was born, Carl Philip was actually the heir to the throne. But after Sweden passed absolute primogeniture in 1980, which means that the heir is based on birth order, not on whether you are male or female, his older sister, Victoria, became the heir. So uh, Prince Carl Philip was the heir apparent for like a couple years. I've not. I just year. I mean, I just feel like you should wait to do that, bef- like do that before the current monarch has their kids, so you're not, you know, playing musical chairs. Well, with that's it. what Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> that's what Queen Elizabeth did. That I mean, absolute primogeniture, however you say that word. That's she enacted that in 2012 before William and Kate had their first child. In 20, 20- I think I think that's the fair thing to do. 
Yeah, I agree. But I mean, you know, Queen Elizabeth, I guess, took the tips from the royal families around the world. She learned from their mistakes. And anyway, I mean, not that that's a mistake. Who really cares? But I just think it's interesting that at one point, Carl Philip was the heir and now he's not. So Crown Prince Princess Victoria is the heir now. And she is all, okay, this is also super fascinating. She is the godmother of Europe. She is godmother to 18 children. Can you wow. believe this? I mean, I'm godmother to zero children. And um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, that Prince Christian of Denmark is one of them. I, we yeah, we mentioned that, that for his, yeah. his birthday celebration. She was there. Right. So Victoria married her husband, Daniel Westling on June 19th, 2010, which is actually her parents wedding anniversary and interesting in fact another interesting factoid all three of the kids victoria carl philip and madeline were married in june carl philip married sophia who is a former glamour model and at madeline's wedding to christopher o'neill they had this is interesting a wedding cake made of 700 macaroons 700 Mm -hmm. stacked into a pyramid can you imagine if like you're the idiot that knocks down the macaroon period (laughs) pyramid and all 700 that would be something i would do i would knock it over with my purse or something like that but um so there is your factoids about the very fascinating Swedish royal family. I just love that I'll never be able to listen to Dancing Queen again because it's about Queen Sylvia. Yeah, I think that might have been one of the coolest facts. Um, and I love that they had Ikea hummus at there. I know. Again, that's also very on brand for the Swedish royal family. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that, Rachel. Um, more to come. Know- more to come. Your your deep dives, your royal factoids, those are also uh popular as well, like bit of British. So oh, good. You know, we'll keep some fun stuff in there alongside our standard stuff in our Royal Rundown. But um, I think that does it all for us today. Do you have anything else to add? No, I mean, listeners take these short episodes where you can, because I'm sure we'll be back in full force soon. Yeah, for sure. So please come hang out with us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. We have so much fun over there. If you have any questions for us or thoughts, you can always send us a DM on Instagram. Of course, you can email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. Ideas for something you want us to talk about on the show, a question you'd like us to answer, um, we'd love to get it. Um, Quick reminder again to please go rate the show on Apple Podcasts. We would always appreciate five stars. And thank Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 111 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.